Well, welcome back. This podcast is probably going to be my last one. Um, in it, I want to tell you my story and also talk a little bit about time, time in retirement. So let me dig in. I'm just an average guy. I've been married to my childhood sweetheart for 41 years, and we've been together since she was 14 years old and I was 16. She's my one and only. We married on July 1st, 1978, and she was two weeks past her 19th birthday. She just didn't want to get married at 18 years old, so we waited two weeks so she could be 19. We honeymooned in Hawaii, mainly because the drinking age at the time was 18. Not that she was a big drinker, but we had the time of our lives. I worked in Hawaii for many years late in my career, and it's hard to articulate, but boy, did God have a big plan for my wife and I. Hawaii will always have a special place in my heart, from the honeymoon to the great people I'd met on the islands over the years that I worked there. And my daughter even got married there. Well, at that time of our honeymoon, I was still in college, and I was working for my dad at his furniture store. I made $4.65 an hour. My wife, Debbie, made less than that. Our rent was $240 a month. I've always told everybody, I'm just an average guy. I have an average IQ. My parents were average. I did the best with what I could. But what I did know was that my bride and I had great work ethics. I believe, and I taught my children, that work ethic is the most important trait you can have. I've known people out of high school with no further education who have become very successful because of a strong work ethic. I've always said, if you're a genius and you have a work ethic, you'll be successful. If you're average and you have a work ethic, you'll be successful. However, if you're a genius or average and don't have a work ethic, you will not be successful. The common denominator is work ethic and not intelligence. Well, when I was in high school, there was a high school counselor that had set up a meeting with my mom and I, and I'm not really sure to this day why. However, my guess is that it probably has something to do with standardized testing. At that meeting, for whatever reason, he told my mom that I was not college material and that my parents should think about getting me in a trade school of some kind. Now, I'm like 13 years old and getting A's and B's, and this guy says, I'm not college material. I thought, what the heck? Now, I didn't say that, but I wasn't confident enough. But I thought to myself, am I stupid? I didn't think I was, but maybe I am. Now, I got to say this, a side note is I did graduate from Sonoma State University with honors, as I was in the honors program. It did take me five and a half years, but I never worked less than 40 hours a week. Also, I paid 100% of my education, not living with my parents, and I took no student loans. What happened was my dad and I had a spat over a motorcycle, and either I had to go or the motorcycle had to go. When I left, my dad said to me, if you're man enough to leave, you're man enough to stay out. Don't come home. I wanted to so many times, and I asked my dad years later, why would he say that to me? And he said, I didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, man, I guess it was all good. I didn't know because it could have changed what happened in my life. So take that, Mr. High School Counselor. I guess at an early age, I didn't like opinions then either or, or the noise. But if my mom was one thing, she was strong, and she wasn't going to sit there and listen to some guy say her son was dumb. She really read him the riot act, and that may be the most I ever loved my mom because she stuck up for me. Plus, I have two very smart older sisters, and my mom and her arrogance would not believe that she could have a dumb one, or at least one that's not as smart as the others. I hate to say it, but my mom was pretty shallow about many things. Well, Debbie and I came from nothing. In fact, I always joked I married her for the money. She had $1,000, and I was broke. We were two kids that came from nothing from a small town with Nothing but love and a smattering of hope. 
was in college and we got married. Well, I worked at the furniture store and we had this insurance sales guy that covered the business and the autos for my dad. He was a really nice guy and I always enjoyed it when he would come in and chat for a while. He wore a suit and tie and I thought, this is the kind of guy I want to be. He had an impact on my life in two ways. First, one of the days we were talking, he told me he felt sorry for guys like me that we would never be able to own a home because the prices in Sonoma County were just too high at the time. Remember, they really weren't. It really ticked me off. I thought, who the heck are you to tell me I will never own a home because of interest rates and high home prices? I'm only 21. I'm married in college, but that's a pretty crappy thing to say. So I had a new challenge of figuring this out. I had paid cash for all of our furniture for our one-bedroom solar apartment in 1978 when we got married. And side note, yes, I did say solar. It was an apartment complex before its time. I think our PG&E bill ran around five bucks a month. Well, we had paid about $5,000 for this furniture for our, point, our apartment, and I would paid it in cash. So what I did was I hawked it and got a loan on that furniture for $5,000. And I got another three grand from selling one of our two cars. The issue would be that we would have to get by with one car, but I'm trying to raise money right now. I'll figure out the car thing later. So I came home one night and I told my wife of six months that we were going to buy a house. I misjudged this one because I thought she would be excited and she wasn't. She was really scared. To be fair to my bride, she was only 19 years old. I may have expected too much. So I did the math and I figured we could afford a house about $50,000 or a condo. Condos were a very new concept in 1978. Well, with closing costs and down payment, we were able to do it. I also had started my credit at a very young age, and I had excellent credit. It's one of the key financial plans no one would argue with is get credit young, make your payments, and get good credit. It will serve you well. Well, we shopped for houses first and found that the older houses would cost us too much to fix up, and they were not in great areas. So we found a brand new condominium in uh, Runner Park, California, for $54,000, and we could pick out all the carpets and tiles. We were so excited. They were in fourplexes, and we purchased an end unit. They were being built, so we had time to start qualifying for the loan. Well, we could buy this place at that time with only 5% down. We were going to make it happen. The hard part was interest rates at the time were in the 10 to 11% range. Yeah, young people, back then it was crazy high. But we were going to make it happen. I got with a lender that was arranged by the builder, qualified for the loan on my own credit. We were on our way. Our payment was going to be $504 a month plus a $25 HOA fee. That was my wife's entire salary after take-home. So we move forward, but wait, it gets worse. At some point in the process, we got a call from the builder, and they told us that the lender would no longer allow us to put 5% down, and they wanted 10%. Now, I had already mortgaged our furniture and sold my car. We were both working in two different cities, and I was going to school at night. I mean, it's like, how can this be happening? I'm just working hard to get a start. So I got a crazy idea. I was just going to give up yet. So I asked the builder salespeople if I could meet with the builder's CEO. And they thought I was crazy, but they gave me his number. So I called him and I set up a meeting. I told my story about trying to get started. And he put a check into escrow for the other 5%, $2,700. And he gave it to me interest only for three years. I had no idea how I was going to pay him back in three years. But at 10% interest, it was only on $2,700. It was only 270 years. So we did it. We moved in and were officially homeowners at 21 and 19 years old. The excitement was short-lived. The first month we had uh, our heating bill come in and we had electric baseboard heating. And it was winter time and it was $100. Now, we were floored. That was the 20% of our entire house payment. I don't think we ate very well that month. 
We just didn't do all the math required, nor were we savvy enough to understand the minor details like that. We did have fewer visitors, though, because it would get so cold in the winter months you could see your breath in the air. My key decision for this was don't let other people dictate your story and put you in a box. Live out loud and think out loud, too. Now, I said the insurance salesman for the furniture store had two impacts in my life. The first one was a negative impact that I turned into our first home. The second one, he got me a job as a commercial insurance salesman in North Bay of California. Worst three years of my life. Cold calling businesses to sell property and casualty insurance was a pretty miserable day. They all had insurance. They didn't really want to think about it. Been working with their guy for whatever number of years, and they weren't going to move their insurance. Amazingly, I wasn't too bad at it. I sold a lot of policies, and in fact, my last year, I sold as many policies as everyone in, anyone in the West. But so here I am. I'm 27 years old. I have zero savings. I have zero investments. I'm making about 20 grand a year, and it's really not a very impressive situation for any 27-year-old. And you can even factor inflation to compare it to this day and age, and it's still not going to cut it out very well. Plus, I hated my job. I mean, I really hated it. I was only working 20 hours a week at this job. I was golfing two to three times a week alone. All my friends had real jobs. I had no purpose. I had to make a life change. Now, you might think this insurance sales guy did me no favors. Honestly, he did. I owned a home because he was a negative guy, and I found out at a very young age, you have to enjoy what you're doing or you're going to hate your life. Money really is not the motivator, as I found out. You have to get worth out of what you're doing. And as the old saying goes, do what you love and the money will follow. Well, I went to see a headhunter to find a job scouring the classifieds. Yeah, the newspaper classifieds, because this was 1983 and it was all in the newspaper. And I didn't find any good leads on a new career. Well, when I saw the headhunter, he told me he had a consumer goods company that paid about $19,000 a year. I said I was looking for more money and I passed. And I went home and told my wise 23-year-old wife that is when she gave me the best life-changing advice I ever received. She said, call him back and interview. You know you don't want the job, but it can't hurt to practice interviewing. It's absolutely genius, and it changed the direction of our life. Well, this company was a very hard company to get on with, and they interviewed me five or six times. I was at the point of telling them I was done, and I wasn't going to take the job anyway. But they said, come and meet the district manager for a dinner, and you can bring your wife. Well, they put us up in a very nice hotel, and they took my wife and I out to dinner, and finally they offered me the job. Well, I told them I'd have to sleep on it. I'd find out later that they were surprised because many people jump at the chance to work for this large consumer goods company. Well, I was feeling bad that evening about kind of leading these guys on when I knew I wasn't going to take the job and I was going to wait for something better. So I did what most guys at that age did. I called my dad. Uh, my dad had a couple friends that had worked for Fortune 500 companies, so he gave me their phone numbers and I called them the next morning. Surprisingly, I spoke to both of them, and they were very familiar with the company I was interviewing with, and they both said exactly the same thing, thing, take the job. Their counsel was, no matter what the salary is, this company will be great to have on your resume for the future. I hung up from the last guy, I looked at my wife, and I said, dang, I guess I've got to take this job. But before then, let's get some room service pancakes. <laughs> and we did. Well, I started in 1984 with a sales territory in Northern California, I really enjoyed it because it gave me purpose again and there was no cold calling. I'm not going to go through the almost 29 years I had with this company, but I will say this. Staying with this company for so long without jumping from company to company allowed me to gain some wealth in the form of our company stock. It was the first stock I ever owned. In this day and age, I'm not sure how many companies have the type of benefits I had with my company. 
especially the retirement benefits. But that's the exact point and why what I have to say is so important. My company had a profit sharing plan and they would give us a percentage of our salary and put it into the company stock. This percentage would escalate and at my end of my career it was over 22% of my salary. I and mean, that's flat out incredible. They even lowered it late in my career, but grandfathered me in and that was a great thing for them to do. Well, I started as an entry-level salesperson with a modest salary and bonus. Not much. I got promoted a couple times over the years. I moved my family back and forth across the country, and I ended my career on the West Coast with a good salary, bonus, stock options. A very livable salary for a family of four without a second income. None of this made me rich, partly because I didn't save any money. My wife didn't work outside the home. We raised our kids, paid for college and cash for them, and paid for my daughter's wedding. But net, the only money I had was in the company plan, the money I'd received as part of my benefit package. There are lots of reasons why I didn't save any money, none of them good ones. I had nice cars, boats, vacations. I spoiled my kids. All financial guys are saying right here, you're an idiot, that you're financially stupid and just lucky. And I'm not going to argue with them. I could have been a lot smarter but there are no do-overs, so I guess I've just got to stick with what I did and be truthful with you. Well, just short of 29 years with the company, I retired. I said in a previous podcast, and I won't rehash it again here, but you go through life working to scratch out a living, raise, educate your kids, and maybe take a vacation or two. Life was good. It still is, but boys are different. Now, why do I tell you all this? I think I'm really trying to speak to young people and counsel you to understand that small investments over time will reap huge benefits. That's been pretty consistent with what I've been saying throughout this. But I didn't have anyone who counseled me on these type of financial matters, ever. Not in high school, not in college. It had been nice to know what I know now sooner in life. So that ends the personal history. I guess I do this specific podcast for the benefit of my family. But I also say that as an average guy who has scraped his way through life, it's never too late to start investing. I have found that the two hardest parts of retirement are, one, not having a paycheck, well, in an expense account. Oh, yeah, in the company car. That was all really nice. So maybe three or four things. But the second hard part is what to do with your time. I'm retired. It's a glorious thing to say. I've got all the time in the world, but now what do I do? And let's just call it what it is. You know, I'm running out of time. I mean, time in my life. You know, I'm 62. I'll be 63 next month. I've spent all my life time doing what I had to do. For the first time, I can do what I want to do. The problem is... I don't know what I want to do. The solution is, that's a good start. At least I know what I don't want to do. But I need to manage the time I have in life left. Now, when I retired at 56 years old, before I had no control over how I spent that time. So I'm running out of time and I get pretty upset about spending the time I have left not doing what I want to do. I have no diseases or health issues that I know of, but I know I've treated my body like an amusement park my whole life. So, you know, probably on borrowed time. In the worst possible case scenario, I'll die today. And in the best case is 20 years. And I don't know why I've determined the scale that we could discuss for a while and come to the determination that my guess is probably close. Maybe because my dad died at 82 and he never exercised a day in his life and he smoked for 60 years. So I should be good for 82, right? You could even play the game of what would you do with the time you had left if you knew you'd die tomorrow. So I'm sure if we had a day left, we could figure it out pretty easy. Spend time with the kids and the wife and go out in the boat, have a couple drinks, pray, whatever. I'm not sure, but for one day, I think you could find something to float your boat. The question is, if you have 20 years left before you die, what is it that I'm really passionate about 
And what do I want to accomplish before I die? Do I want to travel, right? Help others? They've always say you need to retire to something, right? Well, I didn't. My retirement plan was this. I just had to get out of there. My plan was to make as much money as I could and get out of working for that corporation so I could live the rest of my life on my terms. And I just read an article the other day that corporate America is losing money selling marijuana. And I thought, are you kidding me? Corporate America can't even figure out how to sell pot. Anyway, another rant. But I had no retirement plan. I just wanted out. And that was honestly good enough for me. So live the rest of your life doing what? I didn't, and I really still don't know. But at this point in time, after six years, I'm not that much closer to figuring it out, which is a little bit depressing. But I go to the gym every day, and I do a little elliptical work, and I work, uh, work out, not work out in the sauna, but sit in the sauna. And the sauna has been a great event for me because the max you can do is 15, 20 minutes, and the gym sauna can hold maybe five or six people. And I've met some incredible people in the sauna. One of the best things is the conversation. If folks want to converse, then at best, it will only last 15 minutes, so you can get out of the conversation if need be. It's kind of like when you're on a flight, plane, long flight, sit five hours next to somebody, but you're afraid to say anything because you don't want to get stuck in a five-hour conversation you don't want to be in. I can't count how many times as soon as the landing gear goes down, you maybe have five minutes, a conversation starts. Perfect, because if it doesn't go as planned, you're okay. So I was talking to a sauna acquaintance of mine. He was a young man in his early 30s, married, great job, a couple kids, and he'd been married for six years. And as he was telling me this, I thought, I've done nothing in six years. I mean, my friend, you got married, you've had two kids, you got a new job, you've been incredibly busy. My thoughts were, man, what have I accomplished in the last six years? Have I accomplished anything? Yes, no, maybe, I don't know. I was alive this past six, and next month it'll be seven years. My mom passed away, my son got married. My daughter and her husband lived with us for a while while their house was being built, and my son and his wife lived with us for 10 months while they're looking for a house. We re-landscaped our front yard. I golfed. I will say this. It's going fast and very busy. Kind of the saying that the days are long, but the years are short. Now, doesn't that sound fulfilling? No time pressures, no real money issues. Do what you want all the time. Eh, the problem is I'm not very good at any of that, and honestly, it's not that fulfilling. Doing something adequately or poorly is not a great feeling. I'm not a good golfer. I tried a lot, but I'm not good. I have no carpentry skills. I can shovel dirt, but I have no landscaping skills. The bottom line is that kind of activity and hard labor is just not for me. So my bride loves it. So to each his own. Full stop, if you have a passion how you will spend retirement time, I think you're very lucky. I've always felt that way about work too. I never had a real passion for my work. I worked hard. I wanted to be good at it. I wanted to make as much money as I could, but I never really liked it that much. It was a means to an end. Work hard, make as much money as you can, support the family, live the dream, and then retire, right? Then what? Well, I was just not passionate about work, and I've met many people that are passionate about work, and I really envy them. I mean, I sold consumer products for all those years, and, you know, how can you be passionate about selling soap and toilet paper? You kind of pretend to care about it because, you know, they pay for you to, to care about it. So you sit in the meetings, you travel across the country, you're spending time away from your family, and, you know, you're really not passionate about it. I'd sit in a big meeting room with two to 300 people, and I would think, am I the only one in here that thinks this meeting is dumb? I never did find out the answer to that question, but I did know that I felt that way in about every meeting I was in. 
I'm embarrassed to say, maybe even some that I was leading. <laughs> it didn't matter how many people were in the meeting, 10 or 300. They all seemed to be drinking the Kool-Aid. I just didn't. Honestly, it kind of made me proud I could wade through it and still be true to myself. Now, I know people passionate about their work, and I'm taking nothing away from that. Again, I say I'm jealous. I have no data, but I think most people aren't. Bottom line for me in my career was I wanted to make a positive impact on the people that I work with. I don't remember anymore any of the metrics my team or I accomplished. What I do remember are the people and the relations, relationships I developed. I'm not saying all positive, but good or bad, I remember that more than anything, especially the good ones. All I wanted for my career, other than the financial benefits, was to make a bit of a difference in someone's life. For someone to look back and say, he was a pretty good guy and he had a positive impact in my life. So what am I going to do the rest of my time? I still don't know. Probably the biggest problem is I found out what I don't want to do more than what I want to do. I know that for sure. That's pretty easy. I found it very interesting that after all the hard years to get to the station, remember the Robert Hastings poem I read in an earlier podcast, the station, as he said, is not there, it's the journey. I just remember everyone saying this, well, you can do this, you can do that. Everyone had a plan for my retirement time. I remember my mom said to me, now you can take care of me full time. I go, wait, what? No, mom, I didn't work for my whole life to entertain you in your retirement. I remember saying to people, the first year of retirement, I'm just going to sit in my lazy boy chair and I'm not even sure I'll take a shower. So here's where my list starts. I don't want to do yard work. And here's where my list ends. I don't want to do yard work. Therefore, here's the key reason I'm doing this podcast. I'm spending my time writing and then recording this podcast so I can possibly help someone. If I've had a passion for anything in my life, it has been to help people. So that's it. That's all I have to say. It's been a beginner's guide to investing in the stock market. I hope you found it helpful, and I wish you all the best in your investment endeavors. Have fun with it, and it is fun to make money, and it's also fun to learn. I'm not sure what I'll do next. I may turn this into a syllabus for a class of some kind, or I may, as I mentioned, do a Khan Academy-type video learning tool. Or I may do nothing. But one thing for sure, I'm not doing yard work ever again. Good luck, and God bless.